With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. E-S-N-Y. Childhood home recording. I know. I told my parents not to bother me. Oh, uh, yeah. I tell my parents that all the time when I have to record from their house. They do not like, listen. Don't bother me. Just just give me an hour. Just just give me some time, you know. Got to settle some things here on the air. Absolutely. It'll be fine. Everything's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, we had a good week. So how could anything be any worse? Well, I mean... You know, you know what we have to, st- well, you have to do the intro first and then we can start. Okay. I also have to remember what episode this is. All right. This is episode 68 of the Bleacher Creatures podcast presented by Elite Sports New York, Crossing Broad and Warwick Gaming, as always brought to you by Rivercrest NYC. Uh, I'm starting to lose count of the episodes again. We've done 68 now. So that's like, damn, that's a lot. That's pretty crazy. And I wasn't even on board for all of them, but you were. So good for you. Yeah, it's just a regular part of my life now. Once a week, I just get in front of a microphone, sometimes from my apartment, sometimes from my mom's basement, sometimes from an undisclosed law firm. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, like I said, I'm recording from my childhood home. So, like, this is where I grew up obsessing over baseball in the New York Yankees. The game is on downstairs. I'm missing it right now, but Oh, you know no. I know. I, I got just, it right I'm, here. I, you know what? I'm probably just going to stream it too so that like if anything happens, I can be like, oh, live reaction. Um, not like, you know, Brett Garner is going to go yard or anything, but could you so imagine? You, you never could know. You I've been waiting for that to happen since you joined the podcast. Just one time I need Brett Gardner to hit a home run while we're on air. That would just be absolutely incredible. It would be the best live reaction ever because I would just <laughs> go silent and you'd be like, we know exactly what's happening, but none of our listeners do. They just think that there's been a um, a glitch in the system. A glitch in the matrix. And I would know before you too, because I think I'm always a little bit ahead of you now. You are. You are. Um, like I said, I don't have cable. Um, I'm just streaming it via online uh, servers. I mean, legally. Um, oh, definitely. Of course. Of course. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Um so yeah, I mean, you are definitely ahead of me every single time. So it's really hard because I, I'm one of those people that I, I wear my emotions on my face. Like you can just tell when I'm thinking. So if I was ahead of you, that would be 10 times worse. Yeah, we've had that before where I, I see you, you just go silent and you hands to the face. And I'm just like, oh my God. Like she, first of all, she just ruined whatever's about to happen for me. Cause I, now I'm expecting it. Now I know it's like when I'm watching on this delay and I get a, I get a tweet from Brian Hoke. Like I have alerts for all the beat writers. I get a tweet comes out and goes, Luke Foyt just did a two run Homer. And it hasn't happened for me yet. Like, damn, like that's great. But also fuck man. 
I missed you know, it. It's, that's why like I get so worried when I have my phone on me and Brett Gardner's up to bat because I'm like, he is just, if he hits a home run, I'm going to know ahead of time. Like, yeah. And then bad. it's not a live reaction. Then it's not a live guardy party right, video. It's I not even it's worth really- doing at that point. Exactly. So I have to turn my phone over every time he's up to bat because I'm like, if I get a Twitter notification, then, you know, we're, I'm not gonna be happy. I'm definitely not. Actually, I do have to tell you a story. Um, This happened two years ago in Wildwood, New Jersey. I know exactly where I was. (laughs) Um, Two years ago in Wildwood, New Jersey. Wildwood, in case um, any of you ultimate Frisbee non-players don't know, is the biggest beach ultimate tournament in the world. It's incredible. There's over 300 teams. It's just fun. It's a great weekend of just going down to the beach and playing Frisbee. Um, You do play Frisbee, but you also do other things too, like just have fun. So Alcohol. You do alcohol. So that Friday night, um, my college team, we always got together and um, they had a young alumni team. So kids that were even still in college and, you know, the ones that had just graduated. So my team, the older team, decided to go out and I'm, I'm not really a big fan of going out. So I was like, okay, I'll just hang here. So I ended up babysitting. Well, I sat in the corner on my phone and just watched the Yankee game. They were playing the Red Sox that night. And I'm watching, I'm watching. And all of a sudden, Brett Gardner hits a home run. And someone comes over to me and they're like, oh, did you see that? Brett Gardner just hit a home run. And I was like, excuse me, I'm well aware that Brett Gardner just hit a home yeah, run. Come on. Shit in person. I don't need you to tell me anything about Brett Gardner's stats because I know it all. So please stop talking to me. And I just walked away with me and Brett Gardner and I left the kids alone. I, wasn't I mean, that's, them, that's but, almost, yeah. that's almost as bad as the, uh, the story when you went to that wedding and you had, you just was secretly watching the game and you thought nobody noticed, but everybody knew. Honestly, that was not a bad story. That's incredible. No, it was a great story. I actually saw a tweet last week of somebody asking if it was acceptable to watch the Yankee game at a wedding. And that was like, that drew me right back to, oh, Allison actually did that. So first of all, yes, it is acceptable. Second of all, like, done that. you can get away with it. It is possible. Right. So here's the other thing too. And this got me thinking about my own wedding way, way in the future, whenever that does happen, I am making sure that it is on a day where it's a Sunday. So I get a Sunday in the fall because I want football on and I want baseball on. I want them on in the main room. Like I want them up on the big screens, like either side. I need my Cowboys on one side. I need my Yankees on the other side. So whoever's getting married to me needs to deal with it because I've been planning this for about seven years. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think anybody's going to have a problem with that. I think that'll fly across the entire, the entire range of guests. Well, I think the Cowboys thing is probably what's going to get them. But honestly, if we get Yankees playoffs on one side, we get Cowboys versus Giants, I'm all for it. Let's go. Yeah, imagine Garrett Cole throws a, a postseason no-hitter on your wedding day. Like, Right. Best It'll story be ever. It'll be to remember. Absolutely. That is exactly what the plan is. So whoever is unfortunate enough to end up with me, that is exactly what's going to happen. And I say that because I'm self-depreciating. You always look back on that day and you say, hey, remember when Garrett Cole threw that postseason no-hitter? Like, Allison, didn't you get married that day? Yeah, no, 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 not important. Not oh, important. Right, right. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, September 18th, 2000 and whatever. Oh, yeah, Garrett Cole threw a no-hitter. Um, honey, that's our anniversary. Oh, well, that's how I remember. <laughs> yes, so that's a lifelong goal of mine. But, um, hey, I mean, like we said earlier, really, really great week for the New York Yankees. They are still undefeated at home. They've won 10 straight games against the Red Sox, 11 straight home games against the Red Sox. 15 of their last 16 against the Sox and 15 of their last 16 at home versus the Red Sox. So safe to say the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox rivalry has not existed for the past two years. No, it is. It is big time dead this year. Last year wasn't that great. This year it is just, it could not possibly be more dead. The Red Sox are so, so bad. It's really tough to watch because they definitely do have some young, bright stars. I mean, Rafael Devers is a guy that I've always, I hate watching him hit, but at the same time, he's a very good hitter. He's improved on defense. Like he is a guy that is, it's, he's fun, but he didn't do so hot. JD Martinez didn't even want to be there. (laughs) No, I have, I have never seen anybody less excited to be a professional baseball player than JD Martinez at Yankee stadium this past weekend. He wanted nothing to do with that series. He's like pitch down the middle. Great. Let me watch it. Actually. He didn't even watch it. He literally just stared out at the pitcher and he's like, Oh, strike. Oh, there's another strike. Oh yeah. There it goes. Pretend to swing. Uh, there. Oh yeah, one of the one of the ugliest swings I've ever seen. Um, oh, who was pitching that day? Who threw that? I can't remember now. It wasn't Paxton, was it? No, it was a righty. It was. I know it was a slider down and away. It was a really good slider. Um, I think it was JD's first at bat of the, maybe of the series. Um, maybe it was Garrett Cole then because that would have lined up. But either way, I've just never seen a less competitive at bat out of someone who can hit. 40 home runs and hit 330 someone who just clearly wanted no part of anything happening at that professional baseball game and that's a guy that just inked a massive massive contract he's like just get me out of here yeah. speaking of getting out of boston i was gonna i was gonna bring this up a little bit later when we covered you know the rest of the league what's going on because oh boy was it a was it a hot day yesterday for the league oh. Um, oh, yes. but i read an athletic article the Red Sox might trade Xander Bogarts. I did hear that as well. And I've heard, well, no, that's football. Oops. I was going to say, I read a a lot of trade rumors, but um, I also read an interesting article and we can talk about this later about Clint Frazier um, from, I believe I'll have to find exactly who it was because I don't want to reference the wrong source, but yeah, Xander Bogarts potentially out of Boston. I mean, you lose bets. Now you lose Bogarts. Like, Oh, I would I would dance on graves if they traded Xander Bogarts. I have a lot of Red Sox fan friends, and I mean it's not my favorite personality trait about them, but it does come in handy when they do stupid shit like trading a top three player in the league right. to get rid of salary. It would also come in handy if they trade one of the best shortstops in the league, some guy who he could win an MVP the first year that he leaves Boston. He almost won an MVP last year. And they're they're just like, yeah, well, I mean, we don't really want him to get to a point where we can't trade him contractually because once I think the deadline is September 6th, once September 6th hits, he has seven years of MLB service time. His no trade clause kicks in uh, under his new extension contracts. Um, So the deadline is what, August 31st? 
is. So you have to decide if you want to keep Xander Bogarts for something like five more years. I'm not, I don't remember how long his exact contract was. I don't remember when he got the extension, but you have to decide if you want to keep Xander Bogarts for five more years or trade him because we won't get a chance to later. Like that is absurd. How can the Boston Red Sox yeah. even be thinking about this? I don't even understand. It's just just seeing them lose bets over the offseason. And to be honest, I was on that that train of thought that bets was going to be over at the Dodgers very minimally. I was not anticipating I was not anticipating him signing that huge contract. And maybe it was just me being like ridiculous, but I figured Boston and the team just like all together they wanted him back and it was like clear clear as day, but apparently not. And so, you know what, now I refuse to guess any sort of trades. Yeah. And I think uh, we were on record a bunch of times saying it's going to be if the season gets canceled this year, which obviously it didn't, but it would be the most random piece of trivia of all time. If Mookie Betts goes back to Boston and then all you have is like, what team did Mookie Betts get traded to? Well, he played 20 years for the Red Sox. So I don't recall the time that he ever played for somebody else. And then you pull up spring training Mookie Betts jerseys for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And you're like, when did this happen? This was a thing? It's just, yeah, absolutely absurd. So, uh, I mean, hey, I'm all for the Red Sox trading away key pieces. I'm a big fan of it. Because oh, huge fan, huge fan. Because if they got these young guys coming up through the system, I mean, they've got uh, Alex Verdugo, who hit a couple home runs against the Yankees. Yeah, he's a good um, player. Something about him just, like, it screams Boston to me. I don't know if it's the <laughs> if it's the red beard or just the way his face generally looks. Like, there is something about him that just screams Boston Red Sox to me. You're right. I mean, I totally see it, too, and I'm, I'm not sure what it is I see, um, but there's definitely a Boston like look and feel to him. And I mean, he he did pretty well. Um, of course, obviously, he's very young. Um, I think he was one of the top prospects for a couple of years. So I'm glad that he's, you know, getting the opportunity to play. And since Betts is gone, he's getting that right field position. But to be completely honest, you know, the more the Red Sox throw away these veterans and bring up these young guys and be like, yeah, these guys are going to be great. We know how that works out sometimes. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you just can't bet on these guys. When you have that established player, you just have to bet on the established player. It's not like, uh, like 2016, the Yankees trade Araldis Chapman and Andrew Miller, and we're already out of the playoffs. These guys have contracts expiring. Like Andrew Miller was a different case. I think he had two more years on his contract, but even that's still like, that's not that long. So you're saying, oh, well, we might lose Chapman this offseason anyway. We're out of the playoff race. Let's at least get something back for him. And it worked out for everybody because we got Glaber Torres. But you don't know that Glaber Torres is going to be a superstar. You don't know that. He could come up to the majors and just and fall flat on his face. It happens all the time. Right. And I mean, that's also why when they did go to get um, to give up a role to Chapman, because they knew the Cubs needed that piece. They didn't just get Glaber Torres. They got Glaber Torres. Plus, they got some established veterans. That Adam Warren. Roles. Right. I love me some Adam Warren, although he um, is he was released. But they sound like they're going to try and resign him next year. That's kind of what the plan was. Yeah, he is. He is coming off an injury, so he's not going to be right. useful this year at all. Um, right. Well, but I, I, doubt, I would love that. I think Adam Warren actually was um, released um, with the anticipation that next year they would be looking into potentially trying again because there were no minor leagues where he could really get solid game time in. And that was what they were looking for was the 
the game time um, practice. So as opposed to just playing like split squad and stuff, they really wanted to see him face some um, younger hitters is what I understand, unless I understood it completely wrong. No, I mean, that makes sense. And, you know, good for Adam Warren. He's probably going to get another shot. He's a great pitcher. Uh, he's a guy that we could always rely on if we needed a spot start. I oh, yeah, absolutely. He could, he could slide really easily into that opener role if the Yankees decide that's what they want to keep doing with their fifth spot. Um, but let's let's pivot for a second because we just got super caught up in the Boston Red Sox being terrible. Uh, on the other side of it, the Yankees swept them, and Clint Frazier is super, super back. Clint Frazier, hallelujah. Like, let's be real here. He is stepping up in these moments where Aaron Judge is out, which really sucks. When Giancarlo Stanton is out, which also really sucks. He is stepping into that role, and I love how he approached the reporters before he started playing, and he said, I feel like right now I'm the best player I can be, and I want to show that to everyone. You know, confident but not cocky. Um, and he showed up and he's been continuously showing up those quick hands, ridiculous. The guy's got speed too. That's something that a lot of people don't really pay attention to on the base paths. He's got speed. Yeah. He can move. Yeah, for sure. I've loved watching him so far. Um, it's been terrifying watching Miguel and Duhar play left field as little as he has. And I think it just adds more fuel to the fire of the fact that, Clint Frazier is the guy that you want to give more opportunities to show what he can do because he is a natural born outfielder as opposed to Andujar who is practicing in the infield. Uh Oh, I see faces. Oh, I see. Masa just gave up a a three run homer. It's four, nothing now. Well, you know what? It's still early. It's the top of the third inning. I'm okay with this. I'm fine with it because I love Masa. Plenty of time. Plenty of time. I'm going to look up some stats here because that's what we do. Um, who did it. you give the home run? Oh, oh low. Yeah, he, he has been on fire this past week. Okay. All right. So it's not anyone that's like been hitting negative 500. No, no. He's been a good hitter the last week. That's, I mean, that's not a great pitch, but it is up. He took it the other way to, to left center field. Could be worse. Um, but yeah, going back to Clint Frazier and Miguel Andujar, Clint Frazier has been perfect in the field so far. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he's, he's made the routine plays. He's made some, some pretty nice plays, a diving catch uh, in his first game up, diving towards, really towards center field. Dive, no, he, that's yep. one of, he just kind of fell. He just kind of caught the ball while he was falling. Yeah. And that's great. Um, a nice, it. Yeah, that's the important part. He caught it. A nice running catch uh, yesterday, I think it was. Uh, running catch over the shoulder, going up against the wall. Like, these are nice plays. And it really makes you think, like, hey, Nobody said Clint Frazier was a bad defender before his concussion. The Indians had him scouted as their center fielder. They thought that guy was going to be able to play center field for them. He, he was playing triple A. It's not like you, you draft like Anthony, um, not Anthony Siegler. I don't know who I'm thinking of. The catcher who's also a first baseman. Um, oh, Austin Wells. You draft this guy as a catcher. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. And you don't know if he's going to stick at catcher. You have some other options. You have Gary Sanchez, but he can play first base. So you draft him as a catcher. You try to develop him as a catcher. If he's not there, then you just stick him at first base. And that's perfect. Mm -hmm. Like that's early in the system that happens. That doesn't happen when you're in triple A. By the time you get to triple A, you probably have a pretty good idea of whether or not you're a good enough outfielder to play center field. 
fight. Absolutely. Um, I've been, like I said, very, very impressed so far with Clint Frazier. I have loved watching the energy he brings. I love watching the mask that he wears because once again, making a statement, you know, just showing everyone that this can be done. Absolutely. And he doesn't he doesn't necessarily have a reason to besides the fact that he cares about other people and he thinks that the world should care about other people. Guess what? He's turned into a saint. Clint Frazier from sinner to saint. I don't, I don't know if he was ever a sinner. I think he just he made some not. really just dumb comments sometimes. Yeah. Everyone made him out to be a sinner. I mean, I wrote He was just this trying to be funny. 3 off seasons ago. Um basically it was like the media just took everything he did and twisted it into such like a negative connotation that basically everyone just assumed Clint Frazier was a bad guy. And he just wanted to, he was looking out for himself, yada, yada. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I mean, he hasn't done anything to prove that he's a bad guy. He's not. So I'm glad that people are finally turning around, seeing this uh, and seeing this guy as he is. Absolutely. And then on the flip side, Miguel Andujar has just looked like a complete black hole in left field where, where outs go to die. Uh, yesterday, going back on a ball. First of all, Clint Frazier and Miguel Andujar played outfield in the same game. Let's not just blow past that. That was absurd. Yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, so he goes back on a fly ball. It's off a lefty bat. It was a high and outside two-seamer. So it's, it's going to have a decent bit of slice on it. He goes over his left shoulder, realizes he should have gone over his right shoulder, turns the wrong way, ball drops in over his head. It was just, it was every nightmare of every outfielder when you misplay honestly, a ball and like, look that stupid. That's the kind of stuff that you really can't teach. <laughs> I mean, like it's, you teach it, but you teach it at a young age. Like you get these people started when they're first starting in the outfield to read the ball, to, you know, see the spin off the ball. Sure. You can see it in the infield, but you kind of have to do it quicker. And it's basically based more on the bounce. Like you're not following it through the air. You're following it off the bounce. So in the outfield, not the same infield outfield totally different and for everyone who sits there and says that outfield is easier you are sorely mistaken it is not and especially mm -hmm. i mean that is that is an extremely difficult play to read if you don't know what you're doing out there obviously right. you see brett gardner out there every day for the last 10 years he knows what he's doing in left field that's a gold glove caliber left fielder and then you put miguel and duhar in those shoes you say we're just trying to really just get him to play anywhere because we'd like to have his bat in the lineup. We just want him to play literally anywhere. And he looks like that compared to Brett you know, Gardner. Maybe I'm taking this the wrong way, but it really does frustrate me. And it frustrated me at first when basically they were like, oh, well, he can play in the outfield. Almost as though the position in the outfield was a um, an easily replaceable position because honestly, it's not. And it's become very, very clear with especially Miguel and Duhar. But even like Tyler Wade, a natural born infielder, a guy who's really, really good, speedy in the infield, he can play the outfield, but he's not doing anything spectacular. It's, it's not the easiest position to play. And I think a lot of times, especially like growing up, being in Little League or playing travel softball, people are like, oh, we'll put the worst player in right field. They do that even with slow pitch. Like, they do that. And it kind of sucks because I grew up playing outfield and I absolutely loved it, but it was tough and it took a lot of work. And I just think a lot of people don't realize that. They're like, oh, yeah, just stick him in left field. He'll be fine. 
no. Yeah, it's it's not it's not easy out there. It is a lot easier to go from um, the infield to the outfield than it would be to make that transition back into the infield, just because of the way the ball plays. Um, but it's just it's impossible. It is impossible for Miguel Andujar to play left field if he's going to read balls like that. If he doesn't know where it's going to go, there's nothing to say. Are you there? Yeah, I think you lost me for a sec. <laughs> I did, absolutely. But yes, outfield, difficult position. That's where I go. Yes, okay. Uh, so moving on from our mandatory Clint Frazier talk, uh, yep. DJ LeMahieu, and I don't know if we covered this last week. I don't remember if we recorded before or after, but DJ LeMahieu and Aaron Judge heading to the IL. I think we cover right as Aaron Judge was, maybe not. I, I think I think we were watching the game when Judge got taken out, and then we didn't get that news until Thursday that he wasn't going to play. Or right. no, it would have been Wednesday because we had an off day on Thursday. So maybe we did know. Um, but either way, I'm not, not concerned about Judge. Uh, not totally concerned about LeMahieu, even though he's going to be out a little bit longer. Um, but Judge, I feel like Judge could play today if he wasn't on the IL. I feel like that's where he's at. He begged the Yankees not to put him on the injured list. Uh, they did anyway because, you know, this isn't the time to start messing around. Right, right, exactly. And we talked about this too. It's really not in a 60-game season, you cannot sit there. Sorry, <laughs> my computer froze. Um, you cannot sit there and expect players to just come out of their slumps like you have to you have to go with a hot hand that's that's the key to the season absolutely and going further to the hot hand glaber's starting to come around a little bit i love it i love it and uh luke voigt is picking it up homer twice yesterday lead off um, luke tonight looks good at the plate looks like he's having fun out there Absolutely. Luke Voigt in his, in his first at-bat tonight worked a, a leadoff walk, eight pitches off Blake Snell. Just a, a fantastic at-bat to lead off the game. I agree. I'm, I'm really enjoying watching these guys step up when things are just not the most ideal at the moment. Yeah, and I mean, but what is ideal? Garrett Cole coming up with maybe his sharpest star, start of the year against the Red Sox in his Yankees-Red Sox rivalry debut. Uh, he was absolutely fantastic. The fastball was playing up to 98, 99, uh, which is something we haven't really seen consistently from him yet. Uh, we mentioned earlier he made J.D. Martinez look like the last thing he was was a professional baseball player. I mean, even the other thing, too, like in general, um, I know they all looked ridiculous anyway, the Red Sox, but he made them look just plain silly. They were going after pitches that were just diving into the dirt. It was it was incredible to watch. He was at, at his best so far that we've seen him in a Yankees uniform. Absolutely. And somehow, God only knows how, Jay Happ had a really good start. Yeah, and he had some comments after that start, did he not? Yeah, he said uh, – he mentioned that he had a couple conversations with Aaron Boone, one that he liked, one that he really didn't like, uh, but said everything was squared away. I have to imagine that the conversation they didn't like uh, was skipping him in the start, and it had something to do with making him miss his vesting option. 
I have to imagine that's like where that conversation led to. Um, but I mean, it's just, it, it felt like, okay, good for Jay Happ. He had a good start, but also like, if you had a bad start, we might've gotten Clark Schmidt and I still feel way more comfortable with Clark Schmidt or even Michael King. Michael King was great yesterday in, in three mm-hmm. innings of work. And he, I mean, he can give you a start. He's not going to go deep into a game cause he's not super built up right now, but I would so much rather have Michael King taking the ball for pitch number one than Jay Happ. I mean, from what we saw from Jay Happ the other day, uh, I, man, I still love the guy. Like I'm, I'm still rooting hardcore for Jay Happ. I would love to see him at least one more season, um, you know, do, do great things, but you know, he, he didn't start out strong and he showed up and he, he showed up when he needed to. And I think that was pretty incredible. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens for, you know, the next start that he comes into. Is it going to be the same J-Hap? Is it going to be the J-Hap that we witnessed in spring training? Or is it going to be the J-Hap that uh, gets him kicked off the rotation? Uh, personally, I have to imagine. I'm, I'm just guessing it's going to be the J-Hap that gets him kicked out of the rotation. Because I just, I mean, I'm, I don't have any faith in him anymore. I just don't. I'm, I'm fresh out of faith for J-Hap that he's going he's gonna to come out and at least give me a quality start. I got nothing. It's super funny that we're talking about J-Hap because I know Tanaka's pitching. I'm not dumb. However, I'm on Twitter right now and I typed in J.A.Hap. And, of course, there's, like, this video playing on a loop of him striking out. Um, I don't remember who it is, but striking someone out. And I'm watching it like it's live. And I'm like, oh, my God, J-Hap's on the mound? I, th- I thought Tanaka was pitching. What's he doing in the game? No, it would be a lot worse than 4 nothing right now if J-Hap was on the mound. Let me tell you that. <laughs> Um, so I do have to add something in uh, back with the Red Sox because this happened today and it just pisses me off. I actually so. think I know what you're about to say because I wrote the same thing down. Okay. So Christian Vasquez, catcher for the Boston Red Sox. Red Sox get swept by the New York Yankees. We all know the story. It's happened twice this season. Christian Vasquez comes out and he decides to use that to say – well, it doesn't matter because they have no rings and I have one. Well, 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 how the turntables. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you can't, oh my God, you can't hate on Yankees fans and the Yankees for pulling the ring argument. And all of a sudden you decide you're going to pull the ring argument with one ring, which you essentially didn't do a whole lot to help them get. Yeah, Christian Vasquez wasn't exactly a superstar on that team. That's like saying, like, uh, who, who is the most irrelevant person on the 2009 Yankees? Uh, nope. I, I can't think. It, See, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because we don't know who they are because they were irrelevant. And that's what it's going to be like five years from now when you look back and say, who was that catcher? Who, 2018, who was the catcher? I mean, Christian, if you are going to make a comment like that, at least do your research first. Let's talk to uh, Brett Gardner. He'd like to have a word with you. So would Jay Hap. So would Aroldis Chapman. So would it's just it's just Eric, so tone deaf. <laughs> Eric Kratz. Okay, you don't see him saying anything. That's just ridiculous. It's just like, I mean, Red Sox fans, come get your man. <laughs> like you just got swept in Yankee Stadium, a four-game sweep. And you got your guy out there, oh, yeah, well, we got a ring two years ago. 
Like, come on, what are you doing? I think the best part is that he was just like, well, it really doesn't matter because we beat them in the playoffs, but it's not like it was the same year. You know, it was. That was two two years years ago. ago. This is a very different Red Sox team. Let me tell you that. (laughs) All right. So uh, I guess the Yankees live in the past, right? Not the Red Sox. Mm, No way. No. How how many rings do we have in the last decade? Like, all right. Like, I've never been a 27 ring person. I have never used that in an argument, at least not after I turned 12 and had a brain that could think for itself. I've never used the 27 ring arguments because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't care about the past. All I care about is this season. I mean, I've definitely, I've definitely used the 27 ring argument, but only when I'm doing it sarcastically because there's so many other reasons why the Yankees are just a better franchise than the Boston Red Sox and um, have always just been a good franchise. And I've only done that sarcastically, but I have definitely done it. And people are like, oh, really? I'm like, you don't want to test my Yankees knowledge. So I'm just going to give you that. Okay. Like, yeah, you wanted to be childish in this argument. So I'm going to be childish too. 27 rings. Let's go. Just ridiculous. So I saw that this morning and I just laughed. I was like, are you kidding me? Is this serious? It's a serious article here. I know. It's just like, come on, man. Just be smart. Think with your head. Think with your head. He's a Red Sox player. They don't do that. No, they don't do that. Um, all right, do you want to get into the big thing from yesterday? The big Major League Baseball news regarding oh. my San Diego Padres? I was going to say, why don't you start? Because this is your other team. This is your alter ego here. All right, alter ego, James speaking. Padres fan, Friar Faithful, let's go. Um, so yesterday, <laughs> the Padres are matching up with the Texas Rangers. Bottom of the, oh, what was it, bottom of the eighth? No, top of the ninth? It was, I believe it was the eighth inning, whatever it was. I don't remember if they were home it or away. Been, yeah, it would have been top because uh, we were the away team. Um, but bases juiced for Fernando Tatis Jr. with a seven-run lead, works the count to 3-0, and then takes a ball deep, deep into right center field, uh, blowing past a alleged take sign from Jay Stingler. Um, uh, the Rangers didn't take too kindly to it. They threw behind Manny Machado, the very next batter. And I can't believe that it is the year 2020 and we're still doing this unwritten rule bullshit. We've talked about the bat flips as unwritten rules and how everyone's always like, no, get rid of that. It's ridiculous. Like, let people bat flip. Let people have fun. Literally, Major League Baseball is telling. They have a an ad campaign telling them to let the kids play. You know what? If you have a 3-0 count and the bases are juiced, I don't care how many runs you're up. If you get a pitch to hit, I would hit it. Because you're getting a fastball center cut. And that's exactly what he got. It was a little down and away, but it had plenty of plate, plenty of plate at 92 miles per hour. And he just, he tanked it. He tanked it. And what are you expecting him to do? What, you're giving Fernando Tatis Jr. the bat, and you're saying, well, it's a 3-0 count, so why don't you go up there and have not your most competitive at bat? Give this guy a strike. He definitely earned it by walking the last two batters to load the bases. He definitely earned this strike that we're about to give him. No! Why? Why would you do that? 
especially with the Padres bullpen is a complete disaster. Seven run lead is not a safe lead. The 10 run lead was not a safe lead after that. It's just, come on. We've seen so many comebacks and maybe not that late in the game, but honestly, like what if, let's just play devil's advocate here. What if Fernando Tatis did the take sign? Three, one count, you know, obviously the next pitch is not going to be right down the middle, but it's going to be somewhere around the strike zone because you want to force them to chase it and to potentially ground out, pop up, whatever, or just swing right through it. If he swings right through it, then you got a three, two count. And I mean, you're going to do the same type of thing. You're going to throw a pitch that looks like a strike and is probably going to drop out of the zone. That's what you're going to do. Like, that is how you do it. That's how you play the game. Okay? So no run score, and you go into that next inning, and all of a sudden, you know, the Rangers start to show some life. You know, hey, maybe they start scoring some more runs. The game gets close. The bullpen's faltering. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen. This bullshit, like, Little League, this is not Little League baseball. There's no mercy rule here. With a mercy rule. like You can't run out the clock. Oh, stop. You're hurting my feelings. Like, no. If you want to walk someone, walk someone. Would have been a better option to walk him than to give him a decent pitch to hit. Because honestly, if you wanted to walk him, put up the four fingers. That's what you got to do. Don't throw him a pitch right down the middle and expect him not to swing. Yeah, and it's just, I, I first of all, I hated what the Rangers manager, Chris Woodward, had to say. And he didn't even really walk it back today. I listened to, you remember Woodsy. I listened to his show this morning to, you know, I would needed to wrap everything up. I needed to see what happened. Uh, now we've had a night to react to it. What's going on today. He gets on the radio. Uh, the Rangers manager comes on their show and he defends himself. And he says, oh, I think that was a little bit over the line. No, it's not over the line. This is professional baseball. We're not there to just have a casual ending to the game. You're there to win. And if you're the team that's up by seven runs, step on their fucking throats. Keep going. Put up 10 more runs if you can. I don't care if you're up one or 80. Just keep going. Right. I think that's it's just completely absurd to sit there because you can look at it this way, too. If Tatis swung at that pitch and grounded out or something like that he would get heat of course he would like that would just be what happens he probably didn't swing at a good pitch then right if he and if he left and he would have taken he would have taken responsibility for it i saw someone tweet today that fernando tatis has apologized more times for hitting a grand slam than the houston astros did for cheating their way to the 2017 world series and that is just so wrong says something about the sport right now that's absolutely foul that is absolutely absurd this guy is doing incredible things easily a top mvp candidate so far this season he has been incredible i haven't watched every game but i've noticed his numbers and he is phenomenal and you're gonna sit there and have this poor man go and apologize for hitting a grand slam no there's no way Absolutely not. And players, old players, young players, like veterans in the game today, everybody was coming out and saying, yeah, swing on three, nothing swing on it. That's the best pitch you're going to see. You're not going to see a better pitch at three, one or three, two, three, nothing. You have a chance to do some serious damage with a lot of ducks on the pond. Fucking crush it. Do whatever you want to do with that pitch.
too that I've been seeing and listening to is the fact that a lot of people are saying that, you know, you're already up by seven runs. Well, guess what? Okay. Just because you're up by a certain number of runs does not mean you stop trying. Like there's no way you should do that. I mean, you never know what could happen towards the end of the game, but not only that, but putting in a lack of effort just because you're winning is atrocious. That is is more insulting. That's more insulting when you say like this game is out of hand. There's no chance these guys even get to the plate. They're not even stepping up with intent to do damage anymore. They just want to end this game. That's more insulting than stepping up to the plate and just trying to do your best regardless of the situation. Um, there's a famous quote. I can't remember who said it off the top of my head. said, baseball is the best sport in the world because there is no running the ball to run out the clock. You can't just Correct. hold the ball in the corner. You have to step on the mound, and you have to give the other team their shot to come back, whether they're down one run, whether they're down 10 runs. It doesn't matter because you can still come back. That game can last for two more hours. If they just work counts, they get runs, there's nothing that can stop them from doing that. You have to give the other team 27 outs and you have to earn those 27 outs. If you don't earn those 27 outs, you lose. I mean, that's, that's why baseball is such a great sport because a lot of people complain there's no clock. Like you just never know when it's going to end, but that's the beauty of it is the fact that there are so many opportunities, but it's not like you can, I I hate watching college basketball too, because they just dribble around and then you got most of the time the game has been decided before the last five minutes. Right. You're just, uh, let's dribble around, run the shot clock. We'll just take a last second three uh, and just do whatever you want because there's no, mathematically there's no way this team can possibly win this game now with five minutes left on the clock doesn't exist in baseball there that's, you can yeah. put up 10 runs in an inning without a problem that's possible that's why i love baseball no math just kidding no math. there's definitely a lot of math but like yes I, I mean you're absolutely right the fact that people are asking tatis to just like do nothing and give no effort is not only insulting, but it's embarrassing. And it's got to be embarrassing for him too. Like this is a guy who's trying to be a better player every single chance he gets. Like he wants to prove himself. And you're going to tell him to go up there and take this pitch or, you know, just just take it easy. Don't swing too hard. You know, just whatever. If it's a ground out, it's a ground out. Who cares? We're up by seven runs. I, yeah. I just don't and He's driving the MVP conversation too. I'd be hard pressed to find somebody who's a more worthy National League MVP than Fernando Tatis Jr. is right now. And you're going to say, oh, just forget the possibility of doing damage. I mean, I, he was probably shocked by the Grand Slam himself that, that he got that ball out because he didn't hit it that high. It was a low launch angle. He hit it really hard though. Um, and it just got out like five rows deep. But even still, like saying this guy can't, take the best pitch he's going to see to maybe drive in two runs with a single, like that's going to go a long way, especially in a 60 game season when you're looking at the stats and saying, well, I don't know, maybe Tatis does deserve the MVP this year because he had one more RBI than the next guy. And all of the rest of their stats are pretty much identical. Right. And I think, I think the big thing too, that you have to look at as well is it's, it's not just about like individual performance either, you know, like he, he's a team guy. He's, you know, he's definitely matured a lot since he first came into the league and um, you know, he wants his team to win. I mean, he's not doing this for the personal recognition. Hence why when he hit that grand slam, he wasn't like, you know, cocky rounding the bases and like, he didn't know he didn't back a bit. 
No, he didn't do anything. He just ran around the bases like he's supposed to. Ran home, high-fived his teammates, whatever. Didn't try and talk back to other, you know, players or anything like that. And that's an incredible feat that he did. Like a 3-0 count, grand slam in the top of the eighth inning. That's pretty damn impressive. And he didn't even, like, attempt to, you know, try and try and make it seem like he was cocky and things like that. He just, he ran around the bases. He did what he had to do when he ran around the bases. He was playing the game. Let yeah, the and that's play. that's another huge point where it's not like he hit this home run and he he danced on the pitcher's grave. He just hit it and he rounded the bases. You don't. I mean, I wouldn't care if he bat flipped personally because if you hit a home run, by all means, disgrace the pitcher's family like you earned that. Um, but he didn't do any of that. He just took his home run and rounded the bases. He didn't bat flip it. He didn't take a slow trot. Um, he didn't do anything that was disrespectful to the pitcher besides hit a good pitch. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen so many people say that if you don't want someone to hit a 3-0 pitch out of the ballpark, throw a better 3-0 pitch. Absolutely. And I mean, if you got Johnny Bench on Twitter talking about this, like you done fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing too is, you know, MLB is trying to preach the let the kids play and right now they're not letting them play. So you know what, like these unwritten rules are just absolutely ridiculous. This is a whole new generation of the game. And I think the game has changed so much over the years that at this point, you know what, we've seen so many incredible comebacks. We've seen so many things that are just insane and the unwritten rules, they, they don't cover them anymore. We just have to get over it and move on. Absolutely. Um, okay, so I feel like we covered that pretty well since we're obviously both on the same page as just let Fernando Tatis do literally whatever he wants because he is just the Ooh. best ever. Um, side note, something we are upset about, Lance McCullers. Did you get a chance to look at this today? Because it just dropped Not, today. but I hate his name, so... Uh, so he in on a podcast, I don't remember whose podcast it was, uh, trashed, trashed Joe Kelly and it went on a whole rant about, about how you shouldn't be calling the Astros player snitches. Mike fires was the real snitch. Like how many times have we said it, Lance? Just shut the fuck up. Nobody is talking about you. Just shut the up. The more he talks, the more he's digging himself a grave. And you know what? It, he's, uh, and then he's going to play the victim card. And like, oh, well, I didn't do anything except tell the truth. And oh, like, it, come on, man. And you're really going to go after Joe Kelly? Say he's, oh, he's scared of Carlos Correa. He doesn't want to fight Carlos Correa. Because Joe Kelly made a joke about social distancing when the Astros walked over to their dugout. Like, Joe Kelly threw at Tyler Austin, who's a scary motherfucker. And even though Tyler Austin obviously won that fight, neither one of them got any real punches in. We know that. He was there. He was ready to go. He didn't sidestep it. He was ready to fight Tyler Austin, who's a scary motherfucker. He is not afraid of Carlos Correa because he hosts an MMA podcast and wants to get knocked out one time just to see how it feels. I got a whole lot of people who want to knock out Carlos Correa, dude. Just, just let me know. Hit me up, okay? It's just every time the Astros talk, they throw gasoline on the fire. Just stop. Just stop talking. Just let it go. Where are their PR people? I just, I don't think they exist. They don't. There's non-existent. No way. If they, There's if no they way. have a PR staff, the entire staff needs to be fired. And I'll do it for them. I will go to Houston and I will fire each individual. PR representative saying you are not cut out for this 
go find another line of work. This is not for you because you clearly don't know what you're doing. And honestly, Lance McCullers, from what I understand, just seems like a giant baby. Like just a week ago, he was complaining about the Diamondbacks opening their roof. Like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> to be fair, it was like 110 degrees in Arizona. Don't care. Nope. <laughs> nope. Because he just finds something to complain about all the time. That's the only time his name is in the news. It's not for Lance McCullers had an excellent start. Lance McCullers shut out this team. It's Lance McCullers found something to complain about. Lance McCullers starts yelling at the clouds. Like, that's the type of thing that pops up when you type in his name it's just so so annoying media blackout astros media blackout every time somebody asks you about something related to sign stealing the fallout of sign stealing just say oh i think we've talked about this enough i don't think i'm going to address that anymore and it goes away they don't ask the questions anymore but when you keep bringing it up there was no reason for him to talk about mike fires on a podcast there was no reason for him to do that and, oh, Gary, home run. Let's go. Oh, see, I'm not streaming anymore, so thank you. Solo home run. I don't think it's going to do us a lot of good down 5-1, but it is only the bottom. How is it only the bottom of the fourth? My God, how long is this game going to last? Oh, I'm so excited. So much more game for me to watch. So much more game. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing that really pissed us off this week, um, which I don't know if you saw, because it did kind of fly under the radar with everything going on, uh, Oliver Perez you're familiar with Oliver Perez. I am. said he would leave Cleveland if they bring Plesak and Clevenger back into the locker room after what they did. So I don't understand why this toxicity isn't making the Indians do something about these two guys who clearly didn't follow the rules and clearly don't care about their own teammates. Yeah, and it says a lot about the opinion of them in the locker room right now for a, a player mm-hmm. and a veteran player and Oliver Perez. I mean, that guy's been yeah. playing the game since Babe Ruth was still hitting. I wouldn't be shocked if I went back and found a highlight of him striking Babe Ruth out. And that guy is like, listen, we don't want those guys around. I'm going to speak out on this because I'm the elder in the clubhouse. We don't want them around because they put us all in danger. They lied to us. We have Carlos Carrasco recovering from leukemia. We have Terry Francona who has health issues. We have all these guys who are high risk, high, high risk for coronavirus. And they went out and they partied in Chicago. Like that's What's in Chicago? Thing you do. where, where are they partying in Chicago? And why is it so important? It's not like, I don't know any cool party places. So And they but, lied about it. That's the thing that yeah, really gets me. Yeah. Clevenger especially. I'm more upset with Clevenger than I am with Plesak because Plesak didn't get on the team plane. They, yeah, he they found out. To it. Yeah, they found out. He went out. He said, okay, like, I'll hang back. I'll get my COVID test. I'll quarantine. You know, I'll go through the protocol. Mike Clevenger knew he was at that party. He knew he was there. And he watched how the team treated Zach Plezak, said, you can't be here. And instead, Clevenger hopped on the team plane with them to their next outing. And it's just, it's irresponsible from a public health standpoint. It's not fair to your teammates. It's just a shitty thing to do. I find it very shocking that... um that Perez said that and I mean not like shocking like I'm proud shocking I guess you know I'm I'm really proud of him for speaking out about this type of incident because he clearly knows he's been around the game a long time and he clearly respects his teammates and it's become very very clear that a lot must be some players in that clubhouse feel as though they were disrespected by their own teammates because not only did they go out but they lied about it 
like yeah. straight to the Oliver faces. Perez isn't some isn't some fresh face who's right. just talking to the media. This is a guy who's right. been around the game long enough to understand what those comments are going to mean for himself, for mm-hmm. his teammates, for Clevenger and Plesak. He understands all of that. He's been here yeah. before, and he still made them. That I mean, I would be yeah. shocked if there's more than three people in that clubhouse who are not mad at Clevenger and Plesak. And I guarantee if there are three people, they're the kind of people who don't believe in coronavirus. They don't, they just don't think it even exists. Honestly, uh, you know, I, I think the worst part of it all is you, you can't, you can't police the players unless you're doing it in like a bubble, like the NBA or the NHL, which by the way, are both doing pretty spectacular. Absolutely. Um, but you can't police players um, because you don't have that type of, of environment. So obviously there are going to be players that go out, but they have to be aware of the consequences of what they would do to not only their teammates, but their team in general, if they do decide to and make other these teams. decisions. And other right, teams. Exactly. You're, also, you're also looking at it as a situation where the Miami Marlins were just in the hotel bar and 19 of them got COVID-19. And that was the first time this season where we're like, this shit might get shut down. They might have ruined this a week into the season. And then it happens in St. Louis. And now mm-hmm. and now you risk having, having that happen in Cleveland when you have a pretty decent team. You have a lot of really good starters. You just lost two of them. You still have Francisco Lindor. You still have Jose Ramirez. Like That's a team that probably will make the playoffs. And you just put the entire season in jeopardy so you can go out to a party in Chicago. Yeah, I... Uh... You know, like I said, very hard to police players, but I think having people kind of see not just the consequences, but the impact that just one positive test could have on the entire league. I mean, you had the Marlins shut down and then the and um, in relation, the Phillies were shut down, which shut down the Yankees and the Orioles, which luckily they were able to kind of fix that out. But then you have the um, the St. Louis Cardinals and then their games were canceled. So they're yeah, the St. Louis Cardinals are like four and three right now. Right, exactly. And, you know, there's absolutely no way that they are going to get 60 games in and they know that. So how is that fair? Like, you know, there's just so much more than just being like, oh, I could get sick and it won't really bother me. So it should be okay. No, I mean, like, this is, it's a serious business. Why do you think the country is shut down? Basically like the whole world. That's what, I mean, I, I, you know, I get in way too many Twitter fights as it is. I just can't stop myself. I was on a good streak where I wasn't getting into Twitter fights and then, you know, coronavirus came around and I started Mm. hopping back into them. But people keep saying like, I'm a healthy person. I'm not worried about coronavirus. Okay, well, what about the elderly person you just passed in the grocery store? What about your landlord who has a heart condition? Like there are, you're not just risking it for yourself. It's not a personal decision. This isn't everybody decision. You're right. You're right. This is uh, such a weird, weird, weird time. And I mean, obviously it's inconvenient for a lot of people, but not just... So not just because we can't go out and party, like it's inconvenient because, hey, I have some severe health issues and I could die, you know, yeah. like, come on. I, I mean, I, Ed, um, Eduardo Rodriguez, he didn't even have symptoms from his bout with COVID-19. And then it turns out he developed a heart condition because of it. And you don't, correct. I mean, he's going to miss this whole season. The guy that the Red Sox really needed this year, he's going to miss mm-hmm. the whole season because he, he had coronavirus and he developed a heart condition that will not allow him to play this year. 
Yeah, well, we we live in weird times now. But yeah, I definitely don't agree with Clevenger. The the lying, especially, just I I don't know what the Indians are going to do there. Like I don't because obviously there's going to be a riff in the clubhouse, Absolutely. and there probably already is. Okay, to wrap up, what else has been going on in the major leagues? Uh, the A's have a stranglehold on the AL West. The Astros have been creeping up a little bit, but they did just play in Seattle, so it doesn't really count. Uh, but I, I think the A's may finally win the division. Uh, Jose Altuve may be the worst player ever. I'd say he's not even hitting his weight, but he's like 5'4", so his weight is probably like 120. Uh, Casey Mize, top prospect for the Detroit Tigers, finally getting the call up. Uh, I think he's going to be pitching tomorrow, so that's going to be something to tune in for. Nice. And Matt Harvey back in the majors pitching tomorrow for the Kansas City Royals. Awesome. Oh, man. And listen, I got to tell you, if you are watching the White Sox at any point, let's talk about, um, you know, keep an eye. Here's who I would say keep an eye out for. Went to my high school, Danny Mendick. Keep an eye out for him. He's doing pretty damn well this year. So um, watch out for him if you are just whatever reason, find yourself on the Chicago White Sox game. Absolutely. All of my eyes are turned to Luis Roberts uh, whenever I watch a Chicago White Sox game. That kid is absolutely incredible. Uh, what else do you have for Yankees slash baseball related topics? I have nothing. I just wanted to rant about Christian Vasquez because I think he's dumb. Yeah, he is dumb. Christian Vasquez, yeah. super dumb. Uh, okay, so we'll wrap it up there. Leave us a five-star review with the meanest words you can think of about Christian Vasquez. And we'll see you next week. Sounds good to me. Hopefully less internet connection problems, but you know what? Hey, we're working through it, guys. We are working working through through it. it. We've been podcasting every week, even when the season wasn't happening, and those were some rough weeks. It's called dedication. Dedication. We earned it. We earned your five-star review. Oh, and quick, before we go, want to congratulate Mr. James Kelly here for um, becoming a member of the Internet Baseball Writers Association of America. Is that right? Did I do that right? Yes. Yes, that is correct. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, it seems like a very hollow honor right now, but uh, hey, you know I do cool, get to cool, put cool. it in the Twitter bio. Yes. Good for you. Congratulations. So um, nice work. Proud of you always. I'm his boss. So I have to say that, you know? Yeah. I always forget that you're technically my boss. Technically I'm his <laughs> boss. Girl boss, you know? Unbelievable. All right. Uh, so let's wrap it up there for the week and leave us a five-star review. We'll see you next week. All right. Sounds good to me. See you.